0: Hey, everybody, this is Joshua Heston. And I'm Lisa Martin. And this is the Dark Ozarks on the Branson Podcast Network.
1: We're an exploration of everything that's dark in history, mysteries, the paranormal, and everything else.
0: We explore the noir, the unknown, cryptozoology, UFOs, paranormal, and all the dark stuff that happens in the Ozarks. You can find Dark Ozarks on Branson Podcast Network, on Facebook under Dark Ozarks, as well as our YouTube channel, Dark Ozarks.
1: We'll leave no stone unturned to bring you the dark history, mysteries, and legends of the Ozarks. Good evening, and welcome to the Dark Ozarks.
0: Hello, everybody. Hello, Lisa.
1: Hello, Josh. Hey, everyone. I hope everyone's having a great evening and a great week. And we are rushing headlong towards Halloween and using it as an excuse to talk more
0: about ghosts. On one hand, Halloween can't get here fast enough. But on the other hand, I I want the Halloween season to last as long as humanly possible.
1: Exactly. Same.
0: <laughs> it is, without a doubt, my favorite time of the year. I think it is yours as well. And in part, because October in the Ozarks is typically gorgeous.
1: It is. It is a beautiful time of year. Um, and um, it just is very evocative. And so many of the things that we talk about in the Dark Ozarks just seem to resonate
0: <laughs> they do and i think many people really get to thinking about uh the paranormal uh, or the supernatural uh this time of year and uh you know for 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 a little bit uh everyone can be almost as cool as us on a <laughs> regular basis
1: <laughs> speaking of cool we let, let let's go ahead and mention our sponsors um, absolutely the podcast is sponsored by two wonderful sponsors, Always Buying Books in Joplin, Missouri, um, which is phenomenal for inventory. Uh, go check them out in person or online at their website, AlwaysBuyingBooks.com, or on Facebook, and get what you need sent to you. And then our our other sponsor. Being Beard Engine Brewing Company uh, in Alba, Missouri, which uh, is phenom- phenomenal, ale food. And um, they are the only, only English style pub in Missouri and have been named the best brewery in Missouri two years running by the Missouri Brewers
0: Association. Which is really, really phenomenal and a great product. Um, yeah. And, and in both cases, what I think is interesting, both locations, uh, always buying books in Joplin and the Beard Engine Brewing Company in uh, Alba are both haunted.
1: Yeah. See, that, well, that's just a bonus for us.
0: <laughs> we've done, um, between all of us, we've done survey investigations and investigations in both locations now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible results for me, I thought, in uh, Alva at yeah. uh, the Beard Engine Brewing Company, and uh, great folks all around. Also, follow Always Buying Books and Friends of Always Buying Books on Facebook. Bob Posts, fantastic stuff. And uh, plus, it's just entertaining. And I saw the Gnome book for sale, and then I saw it was sold. Oh. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I, uh, just these, these hard to find titles. Now I'm a huge fan of the gnome book. I have a copy. It's been mm-hmm. in my family since about 1979. And interestingly enough, just as a shout out to always Mind books, because I saw Bob posted that today, uh, the gnome book has certainly been instrumental in my appreciation of folklore and the paranormal. Yes.
1: And, um, um you know, it's one of those things that, oh, I also follow Beard Engine Brewing Company on Facebook as well. Uh, yes. And uh, you'll have an opportunity, people have an opportunity to come out and meet us and look at some of these um, cool, rare books uh, that uh, Bob has on the paranormal and the supernatural coming up soon.
0: Yes, 100%. <laughs> Uh, very excited. So uh, I need to go check on my puppy for a moment. Okay. We'll take our upcoming calendar of events and then we will get back with Hollister in just a second.
1: we Will do. So we have several things coming up uh, in the uh, Halloween season this Friday, October 7th. 2022. We will be having a haunted walking tour in downtown Hollister, Missouri. Uh, tickets for all the events that uh, I'm going to list are available at paranormalsciencelab.com. Um, and tickets are selling through, so get yours before they are sold out. Um, there, we are going to tour the very beautiful, very haunted Ye old English Inn, as well as tour downtown Hollister with all the stories, um, ghost stories. Uh, and then we are going to end up at the Turkey Creek Brewing uh, Company and um, have uh, Ozark-related Folk songs, as well as refreshments and food available. So um, it's going to be a great time. Then on October 15th, we will be in Joplin for a day long event uh, Dark Ozarks October Country, which is going to be at the VFW uh, off of North Maine. It is also a haunted location. And uh, we are going to be covering a lot of subjects that we talk about uh, on Dark Arts, as well as have other panelists there for an interactive day that uh, will include include the audience. And there will also be merchandise available, including books and other things and refreshments
0: and food. Very excited about that. And I'm happy to say that I'm back and I found my dog. I had lost him in my own house.
1: Well, see, you know, <laughs> it, it happens.
0: <laughs> yes, he went through a portal. Um, yes. Actually, just locked himself in my bedroom closet. <laughs> that
1: sounds like him.
0: <laughs> it does. And then on October 29th, we will be in.
1: Actually, the 20th.
0: 20th. Missouri. What's that? 20th. Ah, 20th.
1: We haven't had that one yet. On October 20th, we will be in Joplin for the downtown Joplin flashlight walking tour. We'll be covering um, a lot of the history, ghost stories of the downtown Joplin area. Uh, We are doing that in conjunction with the Joplin Downtown Alliance, which is also putting on the third Thursday art walk that night. And they are also very instrumental in various historic building restorations. So proceeds benefit them there. And now the 29th,
0: now the 29th will be in Newtonia, Missouri, at the Ritchie Mansion, the community center across the street and the Civil War Cemetery uh, for what is really going to be, I suspect, a very big night.
1: I think so, too. (laughs) Uh, It's 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 proving up to be a big night. And uh, it's every time we're there, it's it's a great event. uh, Lots of history. uh, a little bit of ghost hunting and demonstration and a tour of the civil war um, uh, cemetery and there's going to be food and refreshments this this time for the first time and i'm not even sure what all they're doing yet so they haven't they haven't Given me the full itinerary yet. So it it looks to be a good event. And then November 19th, we have two events. We will be in the afternoon at Always Buying Boats for a Signing for You and I. Yes. And then that night, we will be at the Web City Library for a tour and in, in investigation. And it also is a very active location with a lot of history and benef- it benefits the library. So.
0: Yes, it does. And so many of these events do benefit the locations uh, as well. And that is one of the things that's most exciting to me, that having these these uh, these opportunities for the public to come together uh, is also an opportunity to help uh, these historic locations.
1: Yes. And uh, on that note, yeah. we have some things to talk
0: about. <laughs> oh <clears throat> gravity road crybaby bridge and other death omen tropes in yeah. the ozarks and elsewhere there's mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot to dig into so where where would you like to to dive in we had a fun beginning of this conversation over on youtube live and we would encourage people to go over to youtube to check out everything that's archived there
1: well there there are there are a lot of there are a lot of ghost tales that involve bridges, rivers and roads. Um, and I I think there's various reasons for that. Some yeah. practical, some more literary and folkloric. Um, yeah. um, for one, these are all places that people tend to be at times, sort of, you know, the lonely traveler or they're by themselves and, you know, bad things can happen. um, And maybe help is not there to to save <laughs> the day
0: <laughs> right it is uh, also also it is a, these are liminal spaces
1: yes and i think i i think that is some of sort of the magic of these stories is that uh whether it's conscious or subconscious we are drawn to those those boundary areas um you know uh and just, just like the motif of the, the crossroads being very important in in folklore, um, roads in general, because you were traveling, and it's usually a line between the known and the unknown in a lot of these stories. Um, rivers the same way, and bridges yeah. definitely—you're you're crossing that space. Yes. Um, I, I don't think it's by accident that uh, you have a lot of ghost tales associated with rivers and bridges. Um, <coughs> we, we've 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 had this we've had this trope, this idea in folklore, mythology, and earlier religion for thousands of years, and that would be the ferryman.
0: It is. So let's let's start. There and then, that reminds me of personal experience that I had two years ago this month, uh, which is odd, As with many of my experiences, it's more of an impression or or an odd take on something rather than you know something documented. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, oh, the I mean, you go back uh, to Greco-Roman mythology to the ferryman and the river styx.
1: Yes. And yeah. and he he uh, you know guided the the dead. To yes. the underworld.
0: And <clears throat> something that you do see in in more ancient cultures typically is a more nuanced relationship with death.
1: Yes. Yes um and you know it's different mythology that dealt that deals with this um either sometimes there's a riddle that the deceased has to answer to get to the other side um or you have to pay the ferryman. yes that there there is a price there is a price to be paid that in some way is tangible through the process of death and going to the other side of the veil, basically.
0: Yes. <clears throat> and uh, something that I think we often uh, overlook, particularly in terms of folkloric understanding, is how much uh, Greco-Roman belief uh, continues to impact our ideas today?
1: Oh, I think very much so. Um, the, the, there's an underscore of, of <laughs> Greco-Roman mythology, as well as Norse mythology, um, mm-hmm. that I, I think that we've internalized a, as a broader culture and <clears throat> often are just simply unaware that that's where it's coming from.
0: Yes, and we have, uh, you know, I'm reminded, uh, I was was listening to, uh, so for people who might be unfamiliar, uh, I listen to YouTube podcasts on mm, cryptids, folklore, demonology, and, and particularly old world or European mythologies. fall asleep to as well as ghost stories um preferably looking for ones that that have a decently long running time without like ads every 15 minutes because Mm -hmm. i don't like getting jarred awake by a verizon commercial in the middle of my uh you know um, (laughs) as i'm as i'm falling asleep to uh, you know the the life and times of the goddess diana but something that, that I was just listening to recently was a uh, treatise on Hikate and that she is the, was the, the goddess of crossroads. Mm-hmm. And I found that particularly fascinating because, you know, uh, crossroads lore, as we've already mentioned, uh, is, is steep within culture. It's steeped within hoodoo culture in particular, in the deep South. And, mm-hmm. um, which is is something that you wouldn't necessarily, you know, it, you find references to this um, this belief structure where you wouldn't necessarily be looking for um, acolytes of the goddess Hecate. Very true. Very
2: true.
1: Touche.
0: Mm. And I, and as you mentioned with. Uh, uh, with Norse mythology uh, and, and Germanic mythology, Odin and particularly the wild hunt, um, the the motif of that finds its works its way into all sorts of things. Particularly in the upcoming season, as we near the winter solstice, and uh, it is echoed, interestingly enough, in Ghost Riders in the Sky.
1: Yes, that's <laughs> very true. Very true. <laughs> <laughs>
0: One of my, one of my favorite cowboy songs, actually, it is my favorite cowboy song.
1: Yes. And, you know, and, and, um, most people, when they hear that song, that's the last thing they're thinking of.
0: Right. They're, they're not thinking of, uh, of, of ancient winter solstice Nordic lore. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Or in, in Germanic, uh, depending on which side of the Baltic Sea that you're on.
1: True, but you know, I think I think the fact that that these these tropes and these motifs uh, surrounding um, these types of places going back so far, so that they that they are an unconscious incorporation in our in our um, view Psychians. of things. In it, our it psyche, is. yes, it is um, I think lends itself to why some of more of the more modern incarnations of these types of stories um have found resonance.
0: I agree, so do we want to start with the crybaby bridge trope? sure, why not so and, and for people who are unfamiliar. Uh, with crybaby bridge. Now there there there's a couple of aspects. There's maybe a number of people who are unfamiliar with the legend.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, there also may be a number of people who could be getting all excited, saying, "Oh my goodness, you're getting ready to talk about my crybaby bridge," and we're potentially about to burst your bubble.
1: <laughs> yes, potentially. Yes, <laughs> um, crybaby bridges are. Probably the second most common um, trope that that we encounter, the first being the suicidal Indian
0: princess. But
1: um,
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. She uh, just kept throwing herself off that cliff.
1: Further and further west (laughs) all the time. (laughs) Um, But there, I mean, there are crybaby bridges uh, in every state, uh, just like there are you know uh the the suicidal indian princess and some states have a number of them um i do not have one in my immediate area per se uh there are some down in oklahoma um, yes yeah. there there is a bridge just over the kansas line that has some similar um lore but it's it's not per se a baby crying (laughs) and you're being attacked
2: (laughs) um,
0: (laughs) oh i have a little now now that bridge in oklahoma all right you're is that are you referencing the devil's promenade
1: no 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 i'm I'm talking about the crybaby bridge um that well and well and it was it was discussed when we were in caney yes yeah yeah and the devil's promenade bridge i think is um a, a analogous kind of uh yeah. trope that happens in in various places but does not involve crying it involves horse um
0: hoofbeats yes and and the devil of
1: course and in the, the devil um <laughs> uh, the devil came along along a little later in the, in the story, but, um, yeah, yeah, with the settlers, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it's kind of hard to know which came first, the cart or the horse there, or the devil or the horse. I'm not sure. But.
2: <laughs>
0: which came first, the devil or the egg?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a quandary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we'll, we'll be hatching things later. Um, but uh, not this month. I knew month. you were
1: going to. I knew you were going to do that.
0: <laughs> oh, don't hate me. I'm recently hatched. Um, but <laughs> I survived my Basset Hound attack, so I'm I'm feeling pretty pretty cheeky right now. There you go. <clears throat> so. Mm, in and I think you know, starting with Crybaby Bridge and work back, as you mentioned earlier uh, on, on the, the pre-episode and basically our teaser trailer, um, there's something about Cry Baby Bridge that is inextricably linked to automobile culture.
1: There is the um, the um, well, the, the more dominant version of the story definitely is, and and that that version is there's a tragic accident. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and um, a baby is is killed in the accident and sometimes sometimes the mother as well Um, and so you you have these tales that the cry the crying that you hear is of of the baby and sometimes um, there's a, a separate uh, ghostly appearance of the mother who's searching for the baby uh, yeah. but not all the time and and I think there's two components I think the crying tends to be from whatever wildlife is there whether it be big cat or something else or uh, an owl, or an owl. Um, we don't need to devolve into big cat uh
0: fights uh <laughs> let, the, let the let the black panther wars commence the great black panther wars of 2022 <laughs> once again <laughs> yes. uh, and we, in in short we hear you we see you
2: okay yes yes we, we validate you, right? yes yes
1: <laughs> and so i i you know i and so Logistically, I think that's where a lot of these stories come from because people hear these calls around these bridges.
2: Mm-hmm. And then,
1: and certainly bridges that have had a number of tragic accidents, they coalesce into, oh my gosh, you're hearing the cries of this this lost child. Um, and then it usually then evolves into the mother looking for the child. Um,
0: right. Which,
1: but, you know. Oh,
0: go ahead. I was gonna say there's 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 points of crossover with so many different bits and pieces of folkloric elements.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh and and the one that really that really comes to mind just at this moment is the the legend of the lost child in the cavern. Yeah. With with the mother going to seek the child and then both Mm -hmm. of them being lost
1: yes uh, and there's a number of those stories and i think you know also there are there are some bridges that have these sort of tales that um originally the tale was about someone leaping from the bridge and and dying yes. or someone being murdered um there's one in northwest arkansas that's connected to um, the tale of a husband killing the wife and child. Yes. Uh, and then um, what you're hearing is the child crying and sounds of the mother looking for the child. Um, and that predates automobiles. Um, yes. That is one that has not evolved into a car-related one, but. But some of these, and probably more than we're aware of, I suspect, started out as those kinds of stories. And then when car culture came in, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, someone, you know, that bridge has so many horrible wrecks that it
0: then evolved into it was a car wreck. Right. Now, I think this is there's something I want to land on here with this topic. And get your thoughts on this and then possibly transition to vengeful spirits okay. uh, and <laughs> just as a, as a segue, but the, <clears throat> something that seems to be consistent with these sort of mm, super regional tropes is a, a situation where it is an area where For example, of either something really bad took place or, uh, you know, a single incident, first of all, a single incident that impacted the entire community so much so that it worked its way into the consciousness of the following generations where the facts were not as well preserved as the trauma
1: yes and i think that 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 happens in cases of say train wrecks um um riverboat uh crashes and sinkings and uh and just some of the you know major kind of accidents that people say oh uh, how could this happen um and, and i do think that details get lost and then um but sort of the, the feelings that are left behind the impressions are are what develop into the folklore it does now
0: the you know certainly i think that in in the face of whether whether it's for a larger community or a smaller community you know the 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 arkansas tragedy which is documented yes uh, of of the father murdering his wife and child,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, for that community, it it had to have left that immediate community just with a sense of how could this happen?
1: Exactly. And you don't see it coming. That's, that's, I think another uh, component of this, of of where the folklore really develops. It's a situation where even if it's a foreseeable thing, such as a car wreck, um, How could it happen here or to us?
0: Right. And within that, um, you know, there's first of all, there's a lot of phases of understandable phases of trauma and grief that are attached to this. And and I think it is a a common uh, you know, it is part of the human experience. We tell stories to try to make sense of the world when it doesn't make sense.
1: Right. And you know and so post World War II such a common experience is car culture. And I it think is. that's and consequently and I,
0: car accidents.
1: Yes, and I, and I think that's where a lot of that comes from and and then also the the second sort of trope in in these usually around a bridge um, is is the gravity basically a gravity hill type scenario mm-hmm. where the the legend goes that if you put your car in neutral uh it's going to roll uphill yes and there are fingerprints on the back of the of the car and so mm-hmm. it's um a ghost has pushed ghosts have pushed it um often this happens on a dirt road or a gravel road which by the way takes up a lot of dust yeah um and what most people don't think about unless you just washed your car every time you've opened your trunk you have left the natural oils from your skin on your trunk lid so you're going to have finger impressions there that
0: that are going to be highlighted when it gets dusty so you're you're uh at a at a disappointing moment of debunking you might if you have actually experienced this you might be terrified at your own handprints from when you put the groceries in earlier that day
1: right or the kids (laughs) playing around the back of the car or
0: something Mm -hmm. like that
1: and um so you know that that's something that gets you know people going because it's something they can actually see uh the other part of it is the rolling uphill, which typically is an optical illusion that you're actually right. on a decline rather than an incline uh, yes. but the light of the land around it makes you think that it's uphill
0: and and, and I, I think the the first. certainly the internet has gone a long way to perpetuate some of these.
1: Yes. Um, I mean, there, there's a handful of them around the country that were fairly prominent before the internet. I know there's one in Florida and a couple of others. um, They got talked about quite a bit, but the internet certainly proliferated it, I think.
0: And that's, that's actually where I first read the story. It mm-hmm. was in the comparatively early days of the internet. And I don't remember. It was, I think, a, a location in Texas, if memory serves. But, of course, bear in mind, this was like 2005. And, uh, you know, drive drive your car to this um, railroad track crossing, put it in neutral, sit in the dark, and... Oh, if I remember correctly, the ghosts of the children who had been killed in the school bus accident on the railroad track would push your car over the tracks Yeah, and leave their footprint. They're the hand. I said it again, <laughs> leave their handprints on the back. Um, yeah, not their footprints. They're not pushing it with their toes. Uh, leave their footprints in the back of the car. And the thing that was struck me, and of course, this was you know almost twenty years ago when I heard the story. It was a new story to me mm-hmm. uh, because I was in my rather sheltered existence in Central Illinois pre-internet. Uh, I wasn't being told any of these stories, and the uh, all, all of the ghost stories that I grew up with were homegrown and actually had third-party, first-person experiences associated with them, which was kind of fun, right? Um, but then also that the thing that I think made it eerie was the specificity. There were GPS coordinates. It was this crossroad at this railroad track where this accident had taken place.
1: Right. And, and that is a neat thing about it. And of course, the reason for that is typically because it is, literally you you you're rolling downhill even though you may not think you are it has to happen on that particular
0: spot on the road yeah and and i think the in some cases the 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 relative specificity in some cases just a a road but a specific road in the case of uh, the branson area it's sycamore church road um which you know is there's a lot of road to choose from but still in the the grander scheme of the entire nation that's quite specific it's a it's a real road with a real name um, <clears throat> that is I think lends an air of uh, of credibility to the story yeah in, in people's minds without that that moves them away from the idea that this is um you know, just a legend. It's it's a legend that is functioning within the the space of but we think it's real.
1: Right. Exactly. And and again, these these are typically post World War II stories. Um and I think in part because uh, with a horse and buggy, it's not going to work, even at the same spot, and, you know, because you can't put the horse in neutral and let it roll.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's, so that's without car culture, it. it wouldn't happen.
0: Yes. Now, uh, jumping over to actual paranormal cases, mm-hmm. the <clears throat> what I think would be interesting as a as a comparison, when there is for example a tragic death particularly of a of a child in historic terms uh in some cases the apparition is associated with the 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 approximate location
1: yes that that's true um and, and, it, and if it's something that we have details on, it's you, you can say we know this person, this this event happened here. So mm-hmm. um, that that's um, very interesting. Ironically, the the only sort of baby crying story that that I know of and we've talked about this is actually at peace church cemetery. And I yes. don't actually even though it is a phenomena that happens. um we think, you know, it's probably more, uh, you know, imprint in the environment, you know, stone tape theory that uh, rather than uh, a haunting from a death. Because. Yes. Because we believe that the person that we that was the baby that was crying is st- is still living.
0: Right. Which is such an odd concept to work your way through.
1: It is. It is. Yeah. Um, but in that instance, uh, one thing that does happen there, are people have reported for a long time, um, hearing a baby cry.
0: Yes. No. Uh
2: huh.
0: I was just going to, in your investigations, whether whether it's been able to be documented to a specific death or incident, um, have you encountered have you encountered the phenomena personally? Uh, of what a baby crying of a baby of a baby crying or disembodied.
1: Um, that, yes, I, I have in a couple of instances where th- there were sounds of a baby or small child crying, um, okay. but um, they they tend they've been at places where there's been a lot of activity, a lot you know a lot of things happen, so it you know it would make sense even if we couldn't identify the particular child.
0: Right now, jumping to the Peace Church Cemetery, I mean, one theory is that just the 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 immense outlay of emotion mm-hmm. can can cause a ripple that, right. that essentially records certain moments that replay themselves over and over. Now, I mean, and that and that's one theory. The other that I, I wonder about is if certain areas, not not really the outlay of emotion or the explosion of emotion, but this certain places, for whatever reason, have a tendency, just an innate like something about the geologic structure to to do that phenomena.
1: I think so. Or a, another way of uh, of explaining that that is, is being talked about a lot in the field is that basically on a quantum physics level that um, basically a a certain point of time kind of bleeds through Mm -hmm. and so that, quote, it's not something lingering or necessarily imprinted in the environment, but under certain circumstances, we are experiencing our present as well as an overlay of, an event that's already happened.
0: Yes, and now the the theory in terms of emotional or energetic output oftentimes becomes associated with battlefields.
1: Battlefields or say a murder victim, something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes, But then other places just seem to exhibit that phenomena without necessarily a, uh, an inciting incident.
1: That's true. sometimes just places that um, had a lot of contact with people period and not necessarily mm-hmm. that that intense dramatic moment of violence.
0: Yes mm-hmm. So it's <clears throat> now we do know jumping over the Peace church cemetery uh, in the proximity of peace Church there was a lot of violence
1: there there was. I mean, actually before it was a cemetery, well, before it became a formal cemetery, there had been burials there. The actually the first known burials in the county took place there. Um just on open open land. Uh, but during the Civil War, um the, there there was an um, extensive massacre, not not far away, less than a quarter mile away. And ultimately a five mile radius where all, all the houses were burned and, uh, victims, uh, soldiers and civilian and a civilian from the massacre were buried in a mark gray on the land that
0: became the cemetery. Yes. <clears throat> and so, I mean, it's, it's In in these situations, it can be difficult to pinpoint. Now, of course, coming back with, uh, and this this is, (laughs) first of all, it's a a common, uh, this is a common folkloric theme. Uh, If you're familiar with supernatural, it is a very common theme through many seasons. (laughs) Uh, But really just sort of moving off of the, not moving off of, moving in addition to the crybaby Bridge motif. So basic idea. Um, there's a tragic death, and there's a one or more lingering spirits at this location. Mm-hmm. Then the next step, which of course is we're moving into into Halloween territory really quickly here, is that there' because of the tragic death, the spirits who remain, are seeking justice and or vengeance, and they may or may not be able to distinguish you, the person who stumbled under the bridge, et cetera, or within the space, uh, from perhaps the perpetrator of their murder.
1: Right, basically lashing out at whoever's
0: there. Yes, and I think that a lot of uh, unspoken fear about ghosts is associated with this particular folkloric, trope
1: i think so and it's predicated on on the assumption that one you have this ghost but they can't but they either don't have self-awareness of the surroundings etc to distinguish between uh who wronged them or who is a threat and who isn't
0: yes so their 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 spider senses are off and uh, Mm um It's, it's the, sort of the idea that you're <clears throat> um, moving into the space is a little like sticking your hand in the box and you don't know what might bite you.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Or exactly what you're going to encounter. Um, and I, I think it's also uh, worth noting, I think that the assumption is you have no defense.
0: Correct. Correct. you
1: know Which, people people often just assume that you can't do anything to a ghost but they can to you
0: right so you're really at their mercy you're mm-hmm. you're at their you know you're in their space and and i think that's when you have the situation especially uh, whether it's spoken or not i think that this trope has worked its way into the psyche and then, for example, if you're on, you know, hosting a tour, et cetera, and uh, somebody gets touched and they come unglued, yeah, that's probably <laughs> what's running through their head, whether they fully consciously realize it or not.
1: Yes, that 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 is true, and that is the one thing that that startles people the most is if you know they get touched they get their hair pulled they get their (laughs) shirt tugged, or something like that um and i've I've had you know adults men and women who have latched on to me uh when something like that happened to me and not let go for the rest of the evening
0: so yes (laughs) and i
1: assuming that i that i guess i i somehow have ghost armor i don't know
2: (laughs) it's uh
0: an interesting shift in perspective you know over the years that we've been working together which is a number at this Mm -hmm. point Mm -hmm. um really transitioning which in all fairness it wasn't a difficult transition for me um (laughs) But the idea that, you know, being touched by a disembodied spirit isn't that much different than, you know, accidentally bumping into somebody at the, you know, line at Walmart.
1: No, or walking down the sidewalk. No, I mean, it's, and to be perfectly honest, my experience is it's pretty much, you know, like that. Um, And usually when you do get touched, it's it's very playful um, and typically, Child spirits tend to do it more than anything, you know, yeah. almost that curiosity, you know, um, really there, you know, I've only had a handful of instances that I really felt that it was, um, I guess you'd say an adult spirit and certainly fewer that um, had an intention other than curiosity.
0: Yes. Now, just in terms of more documentable lore, uh what are what are your thoughts on the idea of vengeful spirits?
1: You know, I I, I think I think there are a handful that really fall into that category. Um mm-hmm. and um and I think the ones that make the bet the best lore. And made the most sense for that tend to be ones who, who um, either pronounced a curse on someone before they died, or you know uh, swore vengeance. You know that they were, uh, I'll get you. Um, Giles Corey at at the Salem witch trials is a good example. Um, you know. Um, cursing uh his executioners and um that um they would all see his fate within a year and to a fault they did
2: Mm.
1: you know now that makes a great story you know it does you know um and certainly in in in, in in a situation where you can understand why someone would uh, right. Would do that. I think another famous example would be,
0: say, the Bell Witch story. Yes, yes, and and I think the the <clears throat> the Bell Witch is is worth digging into a little bit in association. Obviously, Tennessee is not part of the Ozarks, but the bulk of the Oza- of of the Ozarks was heavily settled by Tennessee settlers.
1: Yes, and in the in the events surrounding that were you know occurred right as settlers started coming into this area from that area
0: and and i think even andrew jackson had some sort of association with the bell witch
1: there is a there is a tale that that he he was at the property once and that he had an encounter Um, um and that he, that he saw her or, or, or something. Yeah. Um, I'd have to go back and read it, but yes, there,
0: there is that he, that and he repeated that to other people. I think what I think, what I think, you know, and I, I've watched and listened to a number of podcasts and documentaries on, on Bell, Witch. I've not been to the cavern. I've not been to the location. I would like to go.
1: I, I have not either as of yet.
0: But I think what's interesting about it is it's it's more strongly documented in terms of a location associated with witchcraft type activity, uh, as opposed to another trope which shows up consistently, which is the witch's grave, or yes, that's a witch's house or it's a witch's graveyard. These types of things that people yeah. will start swearing on by, but there is much less documentation that you see with, for example, the bell, Witch or Salem, these types of things. Exactly.
1: No, I, I agree with you. And, um, you know, there, there's one near Carthage, Missouri that is evolving as we speak. Um, we had people talking about it on the page the other day and and um, um and I was conversing with the woman that uh, she, it's a it's a younger woman who she'd heard this in high school and and uh the, the story's only you know maybe 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 20 years old at all at best. Um that uh, and it's the witch's road and uh, there was a wishes house. The chimneys are still there. Um, and, but it's very, very well documented. You know, it was a farm and then through the thirties and forties became a, you know, summer motor camping site, which was not uncommon. Um, and then over time um, just uh, fell into disuse and the, the cottages and the ha- house are gone and a couple of chimneys left and everyone always referred me when i was growing up it was it was the it was the old cold brick farm you know it's cool looking but then suddenly over the last few years it's the witch's road
0: yeah and it <clears throat> i you know in, in a a very common I think across the nation and not just limited to the United States, I think just a very common motif, a, an abandoned house uh, or a nearly abandoned house with an elderly person living in it. We almost get this, uh, you know, hints of, of this in To Kill a Mockingbird with the Radley Place.
1: Well, that's true. That That's true. That, you know, certainly there's something odd about, about Boo. I mean, obviously they call him Boo for the reason. Yes. Um, and the more you repeat it, the more trashy it gets. Um, I mean, and, and if you want to look at folkloric uh, standpoint, I mean, that's how you end up with tulpas and things like that, to be perfectly honest.
0: It is. It is. Um, and, the, mm, and the and the and the in the dry, the dry soil beneath the chinaberry trees in the backyard. Uh, I do do love uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. It's my favorite I book. <laughs> <laughs> but one, one of mine and one of my favorite movies. Yes, and it, just that. Mm, and that there is a the 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 strangeness of the world just beyond the the reach of the mind. Yes especially yeah. from the perspective of childhood.
1: True. And you and I think a lot of these legends do grow up out of childhood and, and certainly adolescence and adolescent car culture.
0: It does. And I, I'm really, even as I'm saying that, I'm going, I, you know, just pinpointed, uh one there are several but one of the 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 key effective key tropes of stranger things season one so you know it's the kids who are seeing it all yep and and the adults aren't until or they aren't until it's too late uh so that and it's done quite well
1: Yeah, I but, mean, and of course, that's the premise of Scooby-Doo and, and, and so many other uh, <laughs> things as well. It's the kids have the answers.
0: It, it, they do. And uh, I, I think that there's something very powerful about the the darkness of the unknown when you're a child. And then being told that's silly, that's irrational, uh, the world doesn't work like that and in the back of your mind. You're saying, hmm, but I think it does, or what if it does? And for for some of us, the 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 touching of the the that other world um, doesn't diminish after adolescence.
1: Very true, very true. And I'm I'm glad it didn't for me. So yeah, same here for me as well. <laughs> but you know, by the same token. That's very true, but what what adults have tended to do is create rituals around death that in, in basically serve a lot of the same pur- uh, purposes, um, and it's to keep the veil at bay.
2: Yes,
0: <clears throat> either either to disguise yourself from it, to appease it. Um, or, or I don't know what what are some of the other i think goals of of ritual
1: well certainly that um that whatever is on the other side can't come through um, the the spirit of the departed not being trapped um mm-hmm.
0: that's uh, definitely a big one that you yeah you you want your loved ones to go on to wherever you want them to go and not right. get stuck and unhappy
1: and and that that is why traditionally you covered you covered mirrors and and closed curtains and things like that um at the time of death um, <laughs> and you know that 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 is such a common question that we get, whether it's any kind of event we do, you know, you get asked the question of why are they stuck? Why are ghosts stuck
2: here? That's a good point.
1: And maybe maybe that's where that fascination or that fixation on that idea comes from is that traditionally we did all these little things. We stopped the clock and we did this and that. So, quote, that wouldn't happen. And it seems like
0: our minds are still fixated on that possibility, and that <clears throat> almost uh, you know, penitence to get your loved one out of purgatory, yeah. the idea that there's that there's something there's something that we need to do to make peace with the dead
1: Yes, or at least keep the the dead away from us. <laughs> i think that's the unspoken part is, is for, for many i think it's more i just don't want them to bug me and so i don't
0: want them stuck um, and, and i would i would posit that a uh, yes i i completely agree i think that uh, in older although i think it's the same subconscious uh motif the same drive that in an Previous generations with much more of a, uh, you know, a closeness with death and appreciation for the supernatural uh, and and the paranormal, you know, collectively that it was the idea of yes, the dead are real. I want them to be over there,
1: yeah, instead not here, of
0: and not <laughs> here. Thank you very much. Um, and of course, that is also coming off of the. That, that concept of of the vengeful dead you don't want them yeah. sticking around and being unhappy uh then there's certainly the christian motif that we want them to go we want them to go to heaven we want them to be happy we want them to cross over you know then that is certainly transitioned into sort of a new age concept of we want them to go into the light and you know after their uh uh, all done talking to Jennifer Love Hewitt, then they can just, you know, walk through the door and be done. Um, and then I think, you know, in a a larger sense, subconsciously or unconsciously coming off of, uh, the, the, the post-war modernization and the sanitization, uh, and absence of death, Yeah, trope that isn't a trope i mean it's something that society actively perpetuates at this point is the idea that that death just needs to not be here
1: right um we in a very short period of time we went from death being in our front in in our living room um to I, I we want as little contact with it as possible.
0: It is and almost to uh like we've we've largely grown up with these new traditions of mm-hmm. the sanitization of death, the the death in hospital, the uh the the ritual being placed in a funeral home. Um uh, <clears throat> I remember now and and there there's varying levels of this just talking about some of my personal experiences with death in in childhood mm-hmm. and and interestingly enough uh growing up i was somewhat removed because my uh my maternal grandparents uh i was 20 before my grandmother passed and then 26 before my grandfather passed in that sense mm-hmm. so Immediate family death, like someone I really knew, mm-hmm. uh, was did not occur until I was a young adult. And I'm very happy about that. But I remember uh, attending the funeral. It was the first funeral that I personally remember. Um, uh, it would have been one of my grandparents' much older nephews. Okay. Um, so, and... My, my grandfather was the youngest of his siblings so consequently this was an individual who wasn't that much different age than he was he was in his 70s and you know a certain amount of expectation etc and this wasn't even someone that i remembered meeting um but it was the uh the funeral took place in a church uh there was an open casket everyone walked by uh the body to pay their respects mm-hmm and there was a um a traditional immediacy mm-hmm. that that you simply could not avoid
1: yes that i mean i think an open casket does that um i you know i i can't imagine I, it's such an artifice to me with with embalming and so forth that Mm -hmm. i can't imagine what it was like pre-embalming
0: yes yes very visceral in all reality Mm um and then not to for for whatever reason my mind bookends this with another funeral that i attended which is a a family friend in peoria and certainly there was a sense of reality this was someone that i knew she was very elderly when she passed um but so first of all, I remember with my, it'd been like my, my third or fourth cousin, um, the church was full. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was somebody who was a part of the community. It, all of his family and extended family was there. You, I think we parked four or five blocks away from the church, that, that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> what I would classify as a very, um, Rural, uh, traditionalist mm-hmm. experience, and with the, the case of our family friend in Peoria, uh, this was it was that va- first of all, it was vastly different. Um, uh, the cremation had taken take place beforehand, it was in the uh, extremely postmodern 1960s era chapel that was associated with the cemetery uh, which was beautiful mostly glass with uh, you know uh, overlooking a wooded space and you walk in and there's maybe four people associated with the family mm-hmm. uh yeah. there's a an urn and there's seven or eight uh floral displays and there's nothing really to suggest death.
1: Yeah, um, it it is a sanitized vision.
0: It is, and it, it, I, I just sort of, I was probably about nine for the first one, and eighteen or nineteen for the second one. Um, mm-hmm. and obviously there had been funerals in between, but those are the two that really stand out as like my first. And then a, one that was extremely different, um, sort of a pre, pre, uh, <laughs> pre postmodern funeral, as opposed to a postmodern urban, uh, <laughs> you know, funeral <laughs> pre post, uh, but also, and this is, this is where my brain goes. That's kind of creepy um actually goes to the film ultraviolet where the you know they they just you know get rid of people and then yeah. sanitize their existence and just say oh they were they were they're, they're just not here anymore mm-hmm. and the, they're now you know you might laugh at that because you know extremely dystopian weird future so on and so forth uh i think that was the one with the also with a person with genetically modified claws in their feet anyway. But yeah. Yeah. And the, and the big weird airship in the sky uh, that held all the data for all the world. Mm -hmm. But the, 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 the point of intersection, the Corolla, you know, the connective tissue on this for me is that in an attempt to sanitize too much, we get to the point of simply saying, you know that death is oh, they're just not here they're they're just it's like they're here, but they're not, and there's right. no um immensity of grief, and of course, the idea is that that's you know ugly and unsightly, and if we could just not do that, that would be fine. but I think that our grief and trauma studies show that you can't no it's one way or another it comes out, and so consequently some of these much older traditions where death is very real and visceral and quite frankly ugly Mm -hmm. Uh, and it and then is associated with uh the ritual of the dead that are our quote unquote more primitive versions of of humanity may have had all of this figured out much better than we could possibly have imagined
1: you know, I, I agree. Um, that there, there's, there's one, one tradition that it, it's not ancient and it's going away already that I find very amusing and that's postmortem photography. Um, yes. of course, photography was invented in the late 1830s, uh, in Europe and France. Um, It started occurring in America in the 1840s um, and spread, and it became a tradition to take a a photo of the deceased, um, because often that was the only photo they they would have of that person because it was very expensive. Yes. And now a lot of people are very repulsed by that, um, over time that grew into a tradition when when death and funerals moved out of the home into funeral homes I think everyone has the obligatory photos of the person in the casket and I think that directly comes out of that mm-hmm. and you hear more and more people when when they see these kind of photos they don't understand why would anyone do that and that tradition is kind of going away. Uh, yeah. But I think it's the same thing. It's almost like, oh, it 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 didn't really happen. There, you know, there's no picture. There's no proof. Uh, right. So they're just not here.
0: Mm-hmm. They're just elsewhere.
1: Elsewhere, and, and I and I think that is part part of that change.
0: And, and I think the I think the 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 price that we pay for that is mounting levels of latent neuroses about death afterwards that that when we grieve appropriately we're essentially making peace with death and the dead
1: i I think so we we learn to live with with them um so to speak instead of
0: pretending that they're not there and i think what we can oftentimes see in this in this process for example the transition the more that you know, that, that death was a visceral reality, you also saw a culture that would go picnic in the cemetery.
1: Exactly. I mean, well, it, they were places for the living to celebrate.
0: And, the lives and, of them we, the past. and I don't know, I can't prove that it's connected, but I think it's an interesting thing to consider is that as we've seen this transition to more sanitization of death, we see mounting levels of fear or repulsion about cemeteries.
1: I, I think so. Which which gives rise to some of the lore I think that we get about haunted cemeteries and walking past a cemetery and <laughs> and uh, being accosted by a ghost that that yes. particularly a vengeful one,
0: <laughs> particularly a vengeful spirit. And now, for the record, just to you know clear the air on this, a lot of our cemetery haunting lore certainly goes way back.
1: Yeah, some of it does.
0: Um, but I just, I find it interesting as potentiality that these, these situation, you know, that, that our discomfort with death seems to mount the more we attempt to sanitize it.
1: I, I I think so in, in, in a very real way. And I think part of it does come out in the fascination with, uh, ghosts and ghost hunting, um, and some, some of the movies and so forth that, that uh, are now getting sequel after sequel, looking at you, Conjuring.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, James Willen all the way, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 um, and for the record, I really like those films, uh, but I do,
2: okay. yeah. I take
0: them, and I think this is an important point, just to insert this. I, I take this as entertainment that is vastly far removed from on-the-ground paranormal experiences. And a lot of people, you all, you all that I'm talking to, the public, oftentimes don't make that distinction.
1: That's true. E- even with a, a based-on-true-story
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, situation like The Conjuring, what's, what's in the films and everything is is not what people involved in the case say happened, you know, I mean, yeah, it, it is vastly different, um, i.e. entertainment people. Um, and, and I think that's part of it. As, as we have sanitized ourselves from death, it, it's like we blur the line between what those real stories and entertainment
0: You're right. as well. Right, which, you know, it does become folkloric. Uh, it's very expensive folklore at this point mm-hmm. um, because yeah. it's heavily <laughs> franchised, merchandised, et cetera. Um, but then at times you see, and we see it on a regular basis uh, of folks, then, you know, that that the, the public's uh, exposure to the paranormal is th- this form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and folks then bring that, uh, those tropes, uh, though, as part of their expectation into haunted locations. Yeah. And, you know, and then, and then I think, I don't know, I think for the most, you know, mostly what I've seen, and I'm, you know, it, what I've seen is a sense of relief, a sense of normalization, that they calm down, the folks calm down. When they're when yeah. they're exposed to what seems to be more of you know a basic reality, have you had folks being disappointed that you know it wasn't as terrifying as they were expecting?
1: Not really that. More that more so than anything, some some are disappointed to um, to have the curtain pulled back on on the on their uh, entertainment. Yeah, that's fair. That's you know, fair. particularly some of the the TV shows um, um, and different people are team a, team b, team C that we won't go into and <laughs> yeah. and uh, and the ones that are much more entertainment based and when they realize that going through investigations and and events, you can see there's a let down it's almost it's they were let down by their hero.
0: Right, and that's understandable mm-hmm. to to a large degree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is if if those um, entertainment slash media sources are your only window into uh, this uh, this process, the you know a number of times when when I've had the opportunity to to share and or you know provide tour uh, mm-hmm. experience, et cetera, that that individuals often one or more of the party, you know, one person might be super enthusiastic and, the, and another is, is, is intrigued, but afraid.
1: That, yes. And then occasionally you just have someone that was just dragged along.
0: <laughs> yes. And, and I, you know, one, I remember one, um, uh, one case in Hollister, one case, um, actually the we all web city, um uh, you know visiting with folks and you know kind of giving them my perspective in terms that we're simply interacting you know with with uh you know folks who that you know these in most cases these uh these locations that we're in that's quote unquote haunted um these were locations that were very important to these people yeah and they love this space they still do in some cases, this is their house, their in. and we just have the honor of sharing this space. And in terms of their sentient energy, they may express themselves, they may not, um, but these people and their lives were important, and this is a way to honor them. And of course, one, one person I remember distinctly thanking me for calling them people.
1: I remember that
0: and to me that meant a lot it it really touched me um, and, and I think that it goes a long way toward uh, a much more what I would think of as a much more holistic approach to all of this
1: no i I agree and it's easy to cast stones at the popular media. Um, because they they have kind of created part of this. The flip side is that they've made things more acceptable to be discussed. And so that that part's good. And in part, the the downsides in part are, in part, the limitations of the medium. Um, There's only so much that really can be done Via TV, etc., um, particularly when they're concerned about ratings, to be polite. Right.
0: Yeah, and and some of it is is the constraints of media in the sense that we we have forty four minutes. Yeah. Uh For example, to get something together, and obviously you're not going to fill forty four minutes with you know forty three minutes of dead airspace and one minute of an EVP. Exactly.
1: And well, it and, and to come up with a narrative, too.
0: Right. And, you know, and, and we may, we you know, at the at the point that Dark Ozarks becomes a TV show, we may be kicking ourselves for this conversation right now. because
2: <laughs> It's true. <laughs> this,
0: we're going to be, you know, subject to the same constraints that we have X mm-hmm. number of minutes and an investigation or, you know, an experience. We've got to put the highlights in.
1: Exactly. And you try uh, to do the best way you can. And there are different approaches and some of them. We're better or worse at different levels.
0: Exactly. Although I would mm, reasonably posit that if it's us in that situation, there's probably less running and shouting.
1: Then some of them, yes, definitely. Um <laughs> I have to yeah, I, I can say I've never ran, so
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I i did once <laughs> i did at the crescent hotel <laughs> uh, well yeah <laughs> i was i was a newbie that was that was that was weird um <laughs> now, and and you know i do think it's interesting we've got you know two 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 years in counting under our belt on this i've uh, yep. gotten a number of investigations under under my belt uh you know i don't i wouldn't classify myself classify myself as a veteran by any case stretch of the imagination but certainly it's a a regular part of my life and you know if anybody asks what paranormal shows do i watch uh, the answer is scooby-doo and supernatural i (laughs) i don't uh i do like the conjuring series just because i think it's fun um i but i'm predominantly a journalist historian and folklorist and I don't actually watch TV.
1: <laughs> well, and so, you know, I, I I don't a lot either. And even the shows, you know, I, I've watched various shows over time. Um and some, you know, are better than others. Um, but I I I don't actively watch any of the paranormal shows and haven't for quite a while um sort of a, sort of a new sort of genre is actually different youtube channels that are doing their own little thing that seem to be getting traction um, particularly with younger people and um, i've checked out some of those and some of them are very over the top that make even some of the over the top paranormal reality shows look very tame so um, I suspect that over time we're going to be getting even uh, more of a public expectation of jump scares and frights, et cetera, uh, as quote reality. Um, yes. So let's hope not, but that's where it seems to be
0: going. It, it does. It really does. Uh, I am a big fan of the ghost facers. <laughs> But I'm still team team Winchester all the way. Um, Some of you will get that reference. And when I say I watch TV or don't watch TV, I don't. um, I I buy things on DVD and watch them on my old television with DVD player. Yeah. Um, And then also binge things on YouTube, usually while I'm doing something else.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I can vouch. That's what he does. Oh, so you so you're 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 not you're you're not affected by by the the paranormal reality
0: universe. No, no. And and I, I respect it. Uh, I respect it as, as an, uh, you know, an entertainment medium that is mm-hmm. has a, has a base in real life. And I respect the people who are doing that. I just don't participate, which is right sometimes uh odd i think for for some of our mm, attendees
2: true uh,
0: who, who who do because there, there's an a potential expectation that i know what they're talking about
2: and i don't
0: <laughs>
1: and 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 i you know I've, I've watched enough of them that yes i know and and then ironically i've been on a lot of shows and I know a lot of the people who who host those shows, but I,
0: I don't sit down and and watch them all right. the time by any <laughs> means. <laughs> but you're you're ahead. You're ahead of me on that. Um, I, I do. I think it's I think it's fascinating, though. And I, I one of the things I do appreciate, although there like anything else, there's, there's the end and the end, there's the light and the dark uh, in terms of just emotional fallout. Uh, but something that I think is very positive is an increased normalization to be able to talk about these things, because that was oh, not, yeah, not very long ago. And, you know, and, and still there's, you and I both have a number of times, um, when someone finds out what it is that we do separately or, 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 or together, and then they kind of look around to make mm-hmm. sure that nobody else is listening. And then they go. I have an experience I need to talk about.
1: Yeah. Can I tell you, can I tell you a story that happened?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I've, I've had that happen so many times over, over the years. And, um, and I'm in, and, and that I'm very grateful for, you know, I've, I mean, I've, I've had people come up to me while I was pumping gas, at the gas station, because they saw a shirt I was wearing or a hoodie, you know, for paranormal science lab. And, you know, and you become, you become the therapist, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and actually, have, have have found some very interesting sites, uh, you know, locations and uh, stories that way. So please keep and doing
0: it. Exactly. And, you know, as a kind of a crossways reference to liminal space, uh, both psychologically, physically and metaphysically, I think that something that paranormal researchers have have inadvertently stepped into is that space of shaman, which we would call therapist.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I think so, as, as well as um, therapists, as, as well as just a, a, a signpost of, of expectation and what's normal in these not normal situations.
0: Yes, and how to deal with them which yeah. I, something that I'm sure has existed since time immemorial is that there are positive and negative shamans as well to guide you in that journey. And uh, mm-hmm. you have to make up your own mind based on the, uh, you know, the, the, the information or the, the recommendations that you get.
1: And we hope we do a, a decent job at that.
0: We, we do, we, we try our best. And, uh, and of course, both with uh you know, for example, the folks who are attending, uh, as well as the the potential sentience that uh, is existing within the spaces that we're approaching it with the highest amount of re- responsibility and accountability and respect that mm-hmm. that we can. And we care about this. We care about we care. <laughs> we care about the ghosts. We care about the historic locations and we care about the people who are coming in to have the you know, a, a connective experience for for an evening or a day.
1: Exactly, exactly. Um, well, we had on our list uh, death omens. Uh, yeah. What do we want to touch on with that?
0: Oh, there's well, there's a lot to play with. Um, you know, the 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 gamut of death omens is is rather extensive. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly. You know, on, on the more extreme side is something like the black boar.
1: Yeah. Or black hound or
0: or black hound, the, the spectral spectral animals, the spectral black animals. Um things like um glass breaking, mm-hmm. uh clocks chiming uh at odd times. Um, maybe not a spectral animal, but simply an animal out of place or animals behaving strangely. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: These, you know, there's a wide gamut of death omens. And then, and and I think that this tends to be a little more uh, apropos for certain dynastic family lines with strong ties to the other world. Mm-hmm. um the dark fae an association with the dark fae
1: very very true um one and as while you were talking an example uh, came to mind was um that this actually happened in in my family um and that this was this would have been i think my great aunt i think my great aunt and uncle had had a young boy who um, came down with a, a blood poisoning, and this would have been back in the, for my understanding, I think maybe the 30s or 40s, and very ill. They couldn't do they couldn't do anything more for him, and um, uh, you know the doctors were preparing them. It was probably a matter of time. And the the family dog came into the room, the bedroom, sat at the end of the bed and howled three times that evening. And he passed in the night and I through the family, I was heard that, you know, <laughs> you know, dog howling in the house was the death omen. And not yeah. just because it had happened, but that they had always heard that, and then it really did happen in that situation.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and which,
1: which is kind of a combination of of the death omens of the spectral animals and the dark fae. It is together
0: in a way, and, and I think that the, there's something really powerful about that in our in our corporeal realm, it's, it, it seems very mundane. So mm-hmm. much of it was mundane and the, the point, the moments just before death, um, when there, when there are experiences like that, and many people have experiences of one kind or another or mm-hmm. that not perhaps that specifically, but echoes of, of this, it is a moment of touching, almost a moment of touching eternity, a moment of touching the other world, when you realize that there's much more than the mundane in which we exist. It doesn't make sense, oftentimes, how would a dog know? How would these things happen? And it can leave you very shaken um, in the process.
1: Very much so. Very much so. And that's certainly the the description that was handed down in the family, that it was just so surreal. And mm-hmm. uh, and that my great aunt just, I, I guess, fell to her knees because in her mind, he was passing that night. And ultimately, he did.
0: Yes. And that there... <sighs> The, the transition point of death and I think that this is this is something that our our modern society has in its sanitization has done a disservice is it has removed the uh the dark enchantment or attempted to remove the dark enchantment from the experience
1: yeah I agree I agree um, and I think um through time, death omens. Uh, we hear a lot of these stories in connection with war uh, and battles,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and certainly in the Ozarks as well uh, during the Civil War. Um, and the spectral animals were were the the death omen. Um, um, and we were talking we were talking beforehand um, actually about a, a Scottish lore uh, spirit, the the Kuhniak.
2: That yeah.
1: is very uh, evocative of that, and a lot of these death omens almost seem to go back to. And the night, an interesting thing with the uh, the kunayak is that there's a real example of when it supposedly was an omen of death of battle, and that that the um, the appearance of the spirit. Uh, had an impact.
0: Um, yes. At the Battle of Glencoe.
1: Yeah. Um, basically, the the, the Kunayak are, are dark fairies that inhabit the waters and one, every clan has their own and it foretells the death of clan members and mourns those sl- slain in battle mm-hmm. uh, particularly um, again, uh, similar but different than a Banshee because a Banshee is seen and is um, and not connected necessarily with water, but she, they're very rarely seen. Uh, but again, they are usually around rivers and bodies of water, those liminal spaces. They kind of go back to the bridges and things that we've talked about. Um, and that... Uh, they can't be approached or questioned um, as some spirits and dark fairies are are able to. Um, but the massacre of Glencoe specifically that uh, the the uh, the one for the McDonald clan was heard sobbing for nights before the massacre to the point that uh, people uh, in the glen, many of them left. Yes. because of the omen and by doing so they escaped being killed
2: mm-hmm. And, and it's
0: so- something that i think in terms of full circle with our association with death something that 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 death omens are highly suggestive of is something that we as a Modern society really struggle with, which is the inescapability of fate.
1: That's true. We, we well, we tell ourselves that we we have free will. Um, yes. Um, both from a secular view, mm-hmm. and then m- many religious uh, disciplines. Some are more on the fate end and some free will so that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can change your fate. Um, yes. And it is comforting to think that, that uh, you do have free will, but do we?
0: And it's something that I, I've, I've consistently observed in terms of analysis of modern, especially merchandising culture is first of all, an obsession with youth.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, almost to the disposability of the elderly. Yeah, and uh, along with that is the idea that if you just know all the right things to do, that that uh, you know you you just remain young. That's the goal, and it is of course ridiculous. Um, and, and I think that certainly from my perspective, free will is, is extraordinarily powerful and important, and we're individually empowered up to a point, yeah. And death omens really signal where the tide has turned,
1: that's true. And of course, then the, you know, there's always the possibility that perhaps destiny and free will exist on a spectrum and
2: yes you know,
1: <laughs> but um that, that's a little esoteric for <laughs> for my brain at the moment
0: of oh, mine too <laughs> um but i think that there there is a um there's a folklore there's a, a lore aspect of touching eternity that occurs with death omens that that leaves one either shaken or um, comforted or in some strange combination of both.
1: True. I mean, and while we're comforted with the idea of free will, on the other hand, destiny can be a little comforting too because if there's destiny, then there must be meaning.
0: Yes. And it's 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 a consistent mm, tightrope walk I think of philosophy uh of uh, of finding meaning and I think that many of the questions that people have about the paranormal are actually ones of larger meaning
1: oh I think so too that 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 really comes through when you have conversations mm-hmm. uh, that uh I think often people. That they are looking for meaning, and um when they have conversations with with us, it's they're wanting the answers
2: mhm
0: and and perhaps answers because of an experience that they've had
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh or because they've lost someone um, or you know in <laughs> in in good postmodern industrialized society phraseology, they've simply misplaced them.
2: <laughs> they're they're, they're somewhere. Around here
1: somewhere. They're around here yeah. somewhere.
0: <laughs> we've, we've had no death rituals to process the grief, so I'm sure they're around here somewhere.
1: In the closet
0: or something. Yeah.
1: A dresser drawer or something.
0: <laughs> oh, curl up in my sock drawer and draw a drawer and sleep for days.
1: So you get a house elves.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, on the note of house elves, this may be a good place to transition to uh, get ready for next week.
1: I think so. We appreciate everyone. And uh, we'll be back next, next week with something else.
0: Absolutely. Thanks everybody.
2: Thanks Josh. Thanks everyone.